Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo. I hope everybody had a great weekend because outside of Kelly Oubre getting hit by a freaking car, Philadelphia had a pretty good weekend for our 76ers and our Philadelphia Flyers. And I see Wine Niners Wine already in the chat talking about the Fly Guys. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But good morning, everybody. Appreciate you all being here on the Power Hour on this wonderful Monday morning. I don't know about you guys, but I am already ready for the Super Bowl rematch next Monday night. But we got a week to go before we have Eagles Chiefs. But we're going to talk a little bit today about what we learned yesterday on that NFL Sunday. Not everything went as we wanted it to go as Eagles fans looking around the other top seeds in the NFC. We'll talk about it. But also, obviously, got to talk about the 76ers and Tyrese Maxey. And we'll talk a little fly guys as well, which I know will make wine niners wine happy. But let's get a little roll call for my power hour crew. Let's see who we got here in the chat. Good morning to the fact checker. Good morning to wine niners wine. CZ, Dallas still stinks. I'll tell you what, though. Is there any team that beats up on bad teams better than the Cowboys do? They're like the Penn State of the NFL. They'll beat up on the bad teams, but they can't beat a good team or come up in a big moment at all. But let's pile it on the poor New York Giants, Cowboys. Good job. Good job, Dak. Good job, CD. And I love all the hype now. Oh, we're hitting our stride. Get the hell out of here, Cowboys. Anyway, don't ruin my day, CZ, talking about the Cowboys, but they do still stink. Jason A team, good morning. Tyrese Maxey, baby, the franchise. We'll talk about it. MC, what's up? Vince Engelking, good morning to you. Oh, uh, here we go. Niners are the best team in the NFC. We'll talk about that. Miss Camel. Jim G, good morning. Brian Lippincott, what's up? Who else we got here? Donnie, Peter Doty, Wheels. My love, Bridget Tobin in the house. Eagles fan, what it do? Wheels. BSing Sports, Spa City. Uh-oh, we got more Niners gang coming now. Eagles fan in the house. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? And we'll talk about the NFL shortly. But you know what's funny to me? 49ers lost three straight games. Did anybody see any 49er trolls in our chat? I was looking for you last week. I was looking for you the week before and the week before. Where were you? Now you win a game, and here come all the 49er trolls. Here they come. Love it. Look, let Mariota cook. Niners gang. I love it. Now, now we got <laughs> now we got all the 49er trolls in the chat. Yeah, there you are, Jim G. Exactly. Where were all these great 49ers fans the past three weeks? So we'll talk about it. 
We're going to get into what we learned on Sunday and the 49ers and the Cowboys. We'll talk about that. But before we switch gears to the NFL, let's take a moment and appreciate what is going on with our Philadelphia 76ers, man. Clap your hands, everybody. Tyrese Maxey has taken a huge leap forward. And don't look now, but the 76ers have won eight in a row, are the number one team in the Eastern Conference. And since they got rid of the beard, they've won seven straight, and the Clippers have lost four straight. Love it. I said it last week that this Sixers team has me excited again because they are fun to watch. Not only the style of basketball they're playing, not only the fact that they are well-coached, but you love watching these guys play. Tyrese Maxey with a smile on his face at all times. They look like they are a team. You never felt that, really, with James Harden. You certainly didn't feel that with Ben Simmons. They have a good team now, and that's what I love about these Sixers. Since the last time we talked, Sixers played two games. They had the in-season tournament game on Friday night against the Detroit Pistons. They won that game 114-106. Embiid, 33 points and 16 boards in that game, threw two blocks on top of it. Tyrese Maxey, 29 points, 11 assists in that game. Even Tobias Harris dropped 24 in the game against the Pistons. And if you guys are following, that was an in-season tournament game. So we'll see how that goes. They got another one coming up on Tuesday. But that was their seventh straight win. All the vibes were good. And then what the hell is going on in the city of Philadelphia? Somebody hits Kelly Oubre in Center City with a freaking car. Come on, man. We finally have something good in this town. And we got to hit a damn pedestrian who just happens to be on the 76ers. Who remembers that almost happened this offseason to A.J. Brown? Philadelphia Eagles were doing their Autism Foundation bike ride, and somebody ran a stop sign and almost took out A.J. Brown in Center City. Come on. Be better. And seriously, not even a joke, guys. Look out for pedestrians, especially when you're in high pedestrian areas like the city. Anyway, looks like Kelly Oubre avoided serious injury, hopefully. They're going to reevaluate him this week. But well wishes to Kelly Oubre Jr. that he gets better. But then the Sixers come back on Sunday night against the Pacers. Pacers are a good team. Six and three coming into that game. They got a decent squad. And the Sixers, man, didn't come out to a hot start. But they put it on late. When they're A straight, 137-126. And let's talk about the franchise. Tyrese Maxey putting up 50 points. 50 points in that game, adds seven rebounds, five assists, Embiid, 37 points, 13 rebounds, and our Philadelphia 76ers are the number one team in the Eastern Conference. And look at the NBA leaderboard. You got Joel Embiid, number two in the NBA in points per game. Tyrese Maxey, number nine in the NBA in points per game. They're the only team in the NBA with two players in the top 10 for points per game. This is the best duo going right now in the National Basketball Association. 
is Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. That pick and roll, that two-man game that they run is unstoppable right now. And you love to see it. Love to see it. And you love the relationship these two guys have. Tyrese Maxey said, it's like a little brother, big brother relationship. Maxey wants to play well for his big bro. Love it. Absolutely love it. And I see you guys talking NFL in the chat. We are going to get there because there's a lot to talk about from Sunday. But we obviously had to talk about the 76ers. And they play again against the Pacers on Tuesday night for the in-season tournament game, which is a big game for the in-season tournament if you care about it. You guys know my feeling about the in-season NBA Cup. But what do you guys, any, any Sixers chat going on here? Oh, Niners Niners fans are trolling the Sixers now. Come on. Jason A-Team. Not even suburban or Philly PA drivers are horrible. The fact checker, broken ribs. Yeah, it looks like Ubre got broken ribs. Hopefully he'll be okay. That's a painful thing, man. There's really not much you can do to treat it. You got to just let it heal. And it's painful. I don't know if you guys ever had rib injuries before, but don't sneeze. You sneeze. You fall to the ground. You fall to the ground. Wine Niners wine. Flyers don't suck. Let's switch gears real quickly to our Philadelphia Flyers. I know not everybody here are Flyers fans, but we got to talk about it. Since the last time we talked, Flyers win two in a row, finish out their West Coast trip. Friday night, they played the Anaheim Ducks. 6-3 win for the Fly guys. Couturier's back. He scored a goal. Owen Tippett with two goals in that game. The goalie, Samuel Erson, played well. He gets the win. And Travis Sanheim in that game, a goal, two assists, had a three-point game against the Ducks. They come right back on Saturday night against the LA Kings. 4-2 win. Kings are a good team. Kings are a good team. Fly guys win 4-2. And Morgan Frost, who's been in and out of the lineup all year, gets two goals in that game. Let's hope this is the start of something good for Morgan Frost. Owen Tippett puts another one in. And now they're on their third-string goalie. Peterson gets the win in goal. So, Fly Guys look good. Fly Guys look good. We've talked about it. They're playing hard. John Tortorella has this team playing some really good hockey. They're going to play hard for you. Brian Lippincott, Owen Tippett is starting to cook. That is true. Three goals in his last two games. So, Tortorella's got them playing hard. It's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs. But all we ask for is that this is a year that they get a little bit better because what we've watched on the ice the last couple seasons, it's been tough. It's been tough to watch. So let's hope with this new leadership group the Flyers have that they're going to start headed in the right direction. And I think they have already started to build a good foundation for this team to grow from. And you look, not only are they a point out of the wild card, Travis Sanheim is playing the best hockey of his life right now. Defenseman Travis Sanheim. He's fifth in the NFL for defenseman in points with 14 points. He's playing in the top minutes on ice in the league, and he has it. didn't play well last year, Sanheim. There was a lot of high hopes for him. Didn't have a great season last year, but he's come out to a hot start, and he is playing really well. And then you look at Travis Konechny, 12th in the NHL. He's got nine goals this season. He's probably your best offensive player, and he's scoring some goals. So they've, they've been fun to watch. They're playing hard. They've been fun to watch. But I know what you guys are here for. We're not here for basketball, and we're not here for hockey. We are here for the NFL. 
And yesterday was the first time in a long time where I could sit on the couch all day and watch an NFL Sunday. And it was beautiful. Love watching NFL Sunday. I like doing the Jacob Sports pregame and halftime and postgame shows. That's a lot of fun as well. But when we're down there and we're on the air, obviously it's tough to watch all the games and everything that's going on in the NFL. But it was a great week of NFL football. I think it was there. Five games came down to a last-second field goal, the most ever in NFL history. But we learned a lot. We learned a lot yesterday. And I first want to start in Germany. And, guys, just a quick reminder, if you're here in the chat, smash that like button for me. The more Philadelphia fans we can reach, the better. Appreciate all of you guys. Go ahead and smash that like button. And also a reminder, if you're not already following me on Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face, or on Twitter, at Bill, Bill Calarulo. Don't even know my own Twitter handle, at Bill Calarulo. Uh, we're posting daily content, a lot of Eagles content, multiple times a day. So be sure to like, follow, and share if you're feeling up to it. Appreciate it, Wheels, saying hit that like button. But let's take a look at what we learned on Sunday, and I want to start in Germany. The last of the international games for the NFL, and it was a bad one. It was an ugly, ugly game. The Indianapolis Colts with Gardner Minshew, former Eagles offensive coordinator Shane Steichen, beat the New England Patriots 10-6. 10-6. And the Patriots fall to two and eight. Their worst record since 2000, I believe. In the last two seasons, Bill Belichick, the almighty, great Bill Belichick, is 10 and 17. And now the question is raised. Does Belichick survive the season? Does Robert Kraft who was interviewed before this game about how unacceptable a 2-7 and seven start was, does he make a move and get rid of Belichick mid-season? Because I'll tell you what, if it was anybody but Bill Belichick, I think he would. I think it would be a no-brainer to move on from Bill Belichick at this point. That team is going the wrong way. 10 and 17 the last two seasons, 2 and 8 to start the year, putting up six points against the Indianapolis Colts. And they're trying. Brought in new offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien after last year's disaster. And I see a choice. Good morning, my friend. After last year's disaster, trying Joe Judge, Matt Patricia at offensive coordinator, Belichick. I'm really starting to question, and I want your guys' opinion in the chat on this. How much of Bill Belichick's success is attributed to Tom Brady? It's a question we'll never know as we look back. But how much of all of that success that the Patriots had and all the Super Bowls they made, how much of that was Tom Brady and how much of it was the all-great-knowing Bill Belichick. Because the more he coaches in New England, 
the more you're starting to believe it had a lot more to do with Tom than it did with Bill. This guy hasn't won anything without Tom Brady. Not a single thing without Tom Brady. I think he won one playoff game when he was in Cleveland before he was the head coach of the New England Patriots. Since that time, he hasn't won a damn thing without the greatest quarterback of all time leading his team. And I look, I was the guy who said when Brady first left, I said, hey, look, you can't say it was all Brady. You can't say it was all Brady. Belichick's a, a good coach. He's a great coach. But let's look at what we know now. Not only did Brady leave, go to Tampa Bay, and win a Super Bowl in his first season in Tampa, which was storybook, look at all the stuff that's come out about Belichick. Let's just go back to Spygate, not to bring up a sour topic for Philadelphia Eagles fans. And if you guys follow my other show, Legal Hands to the Face, I had Barrett Brooks on the podcast over the summer. And he played for the Steelers that season. The year that Belichick went to the Super Bowl and beat the Philadelphia Eagles, 2004. Well, before they beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC playoffs. And Barrett Brooks said it was obvious. The Patriots knew everything about that game. He said it was obvious, and he was pissed off that the NFL destroyed those Spygate tapes. And I don't want to bring up Spygate again, but as we sit here and we question how much of Belichick's success was his and how much of what was Tom Brady, you got to bring it up. You got to talk about it. Because not only did we find out about Spygate, you're now seeing, well, they're not recording people anymore. They lost a, what was it, a first-round draft pick for that? They got fined for that. We've never seen the tapes because they got destroyed by the NFL. And then Brady leaves, and now in two seasons, the last two years, you're 10 and 17, and you look awful, man. Awful. So I see you guys in the chat. I want some of your opinions on this. I see Eagles fan. I'm 50-50 on this topic. They both needed each other. Well, I'll tell you, Eagles fan, not completely disagreeing with you, but when you say they both needed each other, Brady went and won a Super Bowl without Belichick. In his first year without Belichick, he goes and wins a Super Bowl. And Wine Niners Wine says it right underneath your point. Brady won a Super Bowl in Tampa. And Billy did what? Nothing. Takeem Hilton, the league made Tom Brady. I don't know what you mean by that, Takeem. Good morning, a killer ferret. It's all right. Better late than never is right. Wheels, it doesn't look good that Tom left and won another Super Bowl, and Bill B. hasn't done shit. Kraft may move on, but I think it will be after the season. Defense carried Tom. This guy, stick to stats. You're being serious with that. You think that Tom Brady's entire career was because of the Patriots' defense. Come on, MC. You're going to be serious with that point. That Brady isn't one of the greatest leaders we've ever seen. Look, I hate Brady just as much as every other Eagles fan hated Brady when he went and beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 37, and then when the Eagles went and beat him in Super Bowl 52. 
and he had some good defenses, but he is one of the greatest leaders we have ever seen from the quarterback position. So if you want to say that all of Brady's success through his career was because he had good defenses, you don't know what you're talking about, man. You don't know what you're talking about, and you're discrediting every other fact about Tom Brady and what he brought to the Patriots, what he brought to the Bucs to say it was all the defense. Come on, man. What else we got? The fact checker, which year did Brady lead the league in passing yards or the defense wasn't top five that the Patriots won a Super Bowl MC? I'll wait. What else we got here? MC, so if Jalen doesn't lead the league in passing yards, will you speak the same? So you guys are having a little battle there. All I'm saying is you can't discredit. You cannot discredit what Tom Brady meant to that team. But we'll never know the answer. How much of those Super Bowls were because just of Brady? How much was it from Belichick? But I'll tell you this. If this was any other coach, I do not think he would have lasted this whole season. But I do feel that if I am Robert Kraft, that Bill Belichick has done enough for that team and for that city that he goes out on his own terms. And what I would do if I was Robert Kraft, I I would have a conversation with Belichick and say, you are going to resign at the end of the season. You are going to voluntarily step away. Let him save face. You don't fire Belichick. I don't think that Belichick, for everything he's done, should get fired. As much as I hate him as an Eagles fan, as much as I dislike Bill Belichick, I think he has done enough that you have the conversation behind closed doors that Belichick steps away at the end of the year. What do you guys think? I know it's the NFL. I know it is a ruthless, ruthless league. And it doesn't matter what you've done before. NFL stands not for long. But I do think that Belichick has earned the right to step away and not be fired. All right, let's see what else we got. Because I see a, this, is, this is causing a lot, of, uh, a lot of chatter here in the chat. What else you got? V, make Tom Brady our offensive coordinator, Howie Roseman. I don't know about that, dude. Brady was phenomenal, but to deny wasn't a symbiotic relationship is naive. Wine Niners wine. Kraft is trading cheat a lot to a stupid team for at least a first-round pick. To Keem Hilton, Tom Brady had Randy Moss for two years. Eagles fan, Brady can't play unless he sells his stake in the Raiders. Rich McClatchy. I agree. Bill has earned that right. Fact checker, Bill is under contract. If Denver gave up picks for Peyton, then someone will do it for Belichick. Lippincott, Belichick's going to the Giants. The only thing is, Belichick's not young, guys. Bill Belichick, how old is he now? He's 71 years old. I mean, do you really think that if he leaves New England and he's going to go to another team? I don't know. I don't know. And you haven't seen... A lot of retreads go to another team and be successful. So does Belichick have it in him? And look, I'm saying things about Belichick, but at the end of the day, I don't care how good of a head coach you are, you cannot be successful 
without a good quarterback. I think good quarterbacks can be successful even with a bad head coach. But a good head coach really can't be successful without a good quarterback. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it throughout the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a good team. I don't care how good of a coach you are. You may be able to win a game or two, but you're not going to have sustained success in this league without a quarterback. You even look at Andy Reid. Andy Reid, one of the best coaches to ever do it. When he was with the Eagles, he had Donovan McNabb. Once McNabb left, once they traded him to the commanders, because he was declining at that point, Reed didn't last much longer here. He had Vic for a little while, but he didn't last much longer here. Then he goes to Kansas City. Now he has Patrick Mahomes. You need that franchise quarterback to have sustained success in this league. And since Bill Belichick lost Tom Brady, it's been real difficult to have sustained success. And I think Mac Jones, probably not the answer in New England. We don't know. Did he get benched on that final drive? Was he hurt? There's some reports that he went to the x-ray room. But you look at some of the videos from the sideline, they were not happy with Mac Jones. Bill O'Brien was very unhappy with Mac Jones having some heated discussions. Decoy Gaming, thanks for checking in, brother. I see you. MC, right at that coming from a guy that thinks it was a defense instead of Tom, knock it off. MC, I'm confused. I thought you were the one who said that Tom Brady only won because of his defense. You're, uh, you're confusing me with what you're saying over there. So, MC, in the chat, were you saying that Tom Brady had his success because of the good defenses? Okay, you're talking to the fact checker. I got you. And I see David Laprati Jr. We're lucky we have a good quarterback and a good coach. You're damn right we are. Because if you don't have a good quarterback in this league, I don't care how good of a coach you are, you're not going to be able to overcome bad quarterback play in the NFL. Now, look, the argument can be made that good coaches can make a quarterback play better. That is true. You've seen what bad coaches can do sometimes to quarterbacks. But there's some quarterbacks in this league that just don't have it and never will. And I don't care how good of a coach you are, you're not going to have a lot of success without a good quarterback behind center. And when we talk about good quarterback play, man, you got to look at rookie sensation, C.J. Stroud. And I see Wine Niners Wine real quickly talking about how the Giants did it last year with no quarterback. They were doing it with smoke and mirrors, man. They really were. You look at last season, and I don't think Daniel Jones is a horrible quarterback. I don't think... They should have ever given him the contract they gave him. But they were winning with smoke and mirrors last year. And you're seeing it this year, even before Daniel Jones got hurt. 
And when I talk about sustained success, okay, Dable did it last year. They make it to the playoffs. They weren't going to do anything. They had no shot against the Eagles in that playoff game. And you're seeing now already in year two, they're getting dominated by teams. Dominated. And we'll talk about what they what they did against the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. But what else are you guys talking about in the chat? The fact checker, Manning didn't win anything until, Din- until Dungy improved their defense and Indy's offense dwarfed New England's. Look, I see you guys battling in the chat about Tom Brady and the defense. It's a team game. Okay, Nobody's going to be able to win in the NFL without other pieces on their team. I don't care who you are. So, yeah, did Manning need a better defense to win a Super Bowl? Yes. Did Brady need a decent defense in New England to win a Super Bowl? Yes. This isn't the NBA. You can't take one guy, one superstar, and put him on your team and win a Super Bowl. You need other pieces. There's 22 guys on the field every play. One guy's not going to be able to do it. So you do need help. But Tom Brady was the GOAT, man. And there's a lot to be said about not only the stats and not only the play on the field, but what a quarterback can do to the culture and the locker room as a leader. We are seeing it in Philadelphia. You're seeing it firsthand with Jalen Hurts as a leader and how these guys rally around him. You saw it a couple years ago when Nick Foles stepped in, when Carson Wentz went down in 2018. That season was going downhill. Foles comes in, the guys rallied around him. There's more to the quarterback position than just what you do on the field. It's a leadership. It's a culture thing. And Tom Brady was one of the best. He demanded excellence from everyone around him because he worked harder than everyone around him. So whether you love Brady or you hate Brady, you have to give him credit that he was one of the best leaders we have ever seen at the quarterback position. And we get back, guys. I want to switch gears. We'll get away from the Brady and the Patriots. And I want to talk about rookie sensation C.J. Stroud and some other things we learned yesterday on that incredible NFL Sunday. Stay tuned, guys. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour on this beautiful Monday morning in November. Philadelphia Eagles still with the best record in the NFL at 8-1. and one. I appreciate all of you guys in the chat. I love the engagement. I love it. I've told you that before. Keep commenting. I will try to get to as many comments as I can. This is our show, and I love, love, love being able to gauge with you guys every day for an hour. So I do appreciate my Power Hour crew. Go ahead and smash that like button for me if you can. Help us reach more sports fans because this is a great hour in Philadelphia sports. But I started to talk a little bit about C.J. Stroud before we took our break. And what this kid is doing is so damn impressive. I mean, the Houston Texans absolutely stunk last year. and. They get D'Amico Ryans, who I think is going to be a great coach in this league, and they draft C.J. Stroud, number two overall. And this is why you can't ever trust the reports that come out around the draft because there's so much misinformation getting floated. Do you remember people talking about C.J. Stroud leading up to the draft, talking about how teams had concerns uh, that he couldn't read defenses and that they thought maybe he was going to drop out of the first round. Clearly, all of that misinformation was being put out there by a team trying to get him to fall so that the Texans wouldn't draft him because this kid is the real deal. He leads them to a comeback win yesterday over the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow and I think that game was in Cincinnati. Just a really, really impressive performance by C.J. Stroud. He throws for 356 yards, a touchdown, a rushing touchdown. Did turn the ball over too much yesterday. And that's the sign of a great quarterback, being able to battle adversity. We've seen it with Jalen. 
it looks like C.J. Stroud has that same gene of being able to just brush off a bad play onto the next. And he's been incredible this season, guys. He's got the Texans at 5-4. and four. They've already won more games than they have in four years. They're only a game back in the AFC South. And in nine games this season, he has 16 total touchdowns and only two interceptions. And he's not just managing games. C.J. Stroud is winning them football games. And you hear this guy talk after wins, before games. He's got it. We were just talking about Tom Brady as a leader. C.J. Stroud seems like he is the real deal. I know it's early. It's only nine games into his career. But if I'm a Texans fan, I'm excited. I'm really excited to have C.J. Stroud. And now they sit there in the AFC South. It's a wide open race. Wide open race. You got the Texans at five and four. And the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to six and three. We'll talk about it in a second. I know the Niners fans are waiting, anxiously waiting in the chat for us to get to the Jags game. We will get there. We'll talk about the NFC in a second. But let's keep it with the AFC and talk about Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are just finding ways to win. I saw a stat last night. They are the first team in NFL history to be outgained in every game this season and be 6-3. and three. Mike Tomlin, in 17 years as an NFL head coach, has never had a losing season. That is so impressive from Mike Tomlin. 17 seasons, still never had a losing record. Incredible. Really incredible. They beat Green Bay, who falls to three and six. I remember some people before the year started pretty high on Green Bay and Jordan Love. Hasn't really come to fruition this year, three and six. And I'm just looking, wine Niners wine, RG3 again. Hopefully the coaches protect him so he gets a career. Yeah, let's hope. And I see Takeem talking about that AFC North. And the AFC North is a tough, tough division. So the Pittsburgh Steelers win again, moving to 6-3. and three. And then that brings me to our next game that was a great game to watch. And that was the Baltimore Ravens against the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore Ravens blew multiple double-digit leads in that game. Multiple. And everybody's talking about them as a Super Bowl favorite. Lamar Jackson as an MVP candidate. They blew that one. They blew that game. Couple bad turnovers. They gave that game to the Cleveland Browns. And now that AFC North is wide open. Wide open. He got the Ravens at 7-3, and three, the Pittsburgh Steelers at 6-3, and three, the Cleveland Browns at 6-3, and three, and the Cincinnati Bengals at 5-4. and four. That is a tough division. And that's going to be a fun finish to watch the AFC North for sure. And I see them talking about Deshaun Watson, Eagles fan. Watson finally had a good game. Transistor Zen, so much for the 
Lamar Jackson MVP talk. What else we got here? Brian Davis late to the party. Welcome to the Power Hour, my friend. Good to see you. Philly 007. Deshaun was terrible in the first half, almost got benched. He did not look good in the first half, but I don't think he almost got benched. He actually hurt. I think he hurt his ankle, and that was the reason why there was some talk about the backup warming up. But he did come on strong. But that's going to be an interesting finish. That division will be interesting to see who comes out on top, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, or Bengals. And then before we get to the other top seeds in the NFC, because I'm just waiting for our Niners fans here. But before we get there, let's talk about Josh Dobbs for a second and the Minnesota Vikings. Josh Dobbs. I said it when the Vikings made the trade for him that I like Josh Dobbs, that I'm looking for him to hopefully get a chance to stick with a team, to stick with an offensive coordinator. This poor kid with had to start a playoff game. He was there for a couple weeks in Tennessee. And he's with Arizona. He gets told by Gannon he's not getting traded. Then he gets traded to Minnesota. Thought he was going to get a week to get acclimated. No, he's got to jump in, comes back and wins that game last week, and then leads the team to a second straight win over the New Orleans Saints. He throws for 268, a touchdown in the air, runs for 44, a touchdown on the ground. He's number two in the NFL in rushing yards this season from the quarterback position. Impressive, man. And Minnesota, they still have a shot. They are 6-4. and four. They got a shot to make the playoffs this season. And as Eagles fans, we should be rooting for Josh Dobbs and the Minnesota Vikings to be successful. Because when we start talking about these other top seeds in the NFC who are looking to push the Philadelphia Eagles for the number one seed, the Detroit Lions are going to play the Vikings twice. So let's root for Josh Dobbs. But they move to 6-4. and four. The New Orleans Saints still lead the NFC South, but they're 5-5. Five and five. Derek Carr got hurt in that game. Jameis Winston came in. But no one in the NFC South scares me. I think that's maybe the weakest division in the NFL right now. The Saints, the Bucks, the Falcons, and the Panthers. Nobody scares me in that division. But let's talk about the other teams in the NFC that are vying for that top spot. And where's our Niners fans in the chat? Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers. Because all the Niners fans were non-existent for three weeks after three straight losses. And now they're all back. Best team in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy, MVP. Where were you the last three weeks? Come on, man. But I will admit, the San Francisco 49ers looked really good on Sunday. I thought, I thought the Jacksonville Jaguars had a really good chance to win that football game going in. I was rooting for Dougie P. We said it last week. Even though the Niners were three-point favorites in Jacksonville, I thought the Jags had a real shot to win that game. And the Jaguars disappointed me big time. You talk about the game of the week not showing up for a big game. Jacksonville did not show up for that game, get absolutely dominated by the San Francisco 49ers, 34-3. to And the Niners looked good, but just as good as the Niners looked, Jacksonville looked even worse. They played really bad football in that game. But... 
49ers, you got to give them credit. They look good. They got Debo Samuel back. They got their left tackle, Trent Williams, back. Brock Purdy bounced back in a big way. After three straight losses and not looking good, Purdy threw for almost 300 yards and three touchdowns. So the San Francisco 49ers improved to 6-3. and three. They are now tied in the NFC West with the other team vying for the top spot, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. And I was rooting for Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders to beat Seattle. Really, there's four teams, and all four of them won. Four teams. The Eagles sitting back on our bye were hoping the Niners would lose, the Seahawks would lose, the Cowboys would lose, and the Lions would lose, and all four of them win on Sunday. So we're still 8-1, and one, but we got zero help from the NFL yesterday. But let's look at that other team because the 49ers are now tied for the lead in the NFC West with the Seahawks. Seahawks almost lost that game to the Washington Commanders. Almost. Had to kick a last-second field goal to beat Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders. And I'll tell you what. In the offseason, I was laughing at people who said that Sam Howell was going to be a good quarterback for this team. I am extremely impressed with Sam Howell. He's got one of the worst offensive lines I have ever seen in front of him. He is getting taken a beating back there week after week after week, and the guy is just hanging in there. He's tough. He's throwing some good balls. Not bad. Not bad. I don't think they're going to do much this season. I don't think they got a shot at making the playoffs. They're in a tough division. They got a tough schedule coming up. But I am impressed with Sam Howe. I really am. But the Seahawks kick a last-second field goal. They improved to 6-3. and three. So you got to battle 49ers and Seahawks. And the nice part is they play each other twice. So even though the Philadelphia Eagles are fighting those two teams for the number one seed, they got to play each other twice. And they don't have easy schedules. You look at the Niners' remaining schedule, they should have an easy one at home against Tampa Bay this week. But then they go on the road to Seattle, on the road to Philadelphia, back home against Seattle. They're on the road for probably an easy game against Arizona, even though they already lost to that team, which is crazy to me. And then they got, right, did they lose to Arizona, or am I confusing them with the Cowboys? Let me see here. Did the 49ers lose to the Cardinals? I think they did. Let me see. I could be wrong. I think I'm wrong. I, I, think, I'm refer, I think I'm thinking of the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Who did the Niners lose to so far this year? Let's take a look. So they played – no, they beat Arizona. They beat Arizona. They lost to the Browns, the Vikings, and the Bengals. The Browns, the Vikings, and the Bengals. So – 49ers, Seahawks, hopefully they'll battle each other. But the team that I think has the best chance, and we've talked about this last week, but the team that has the best chance to catch this Philadelphia Eagles team for the number one seed is definitely the Detroit Lions. And they win a close one yesterday. That was a game where I thought the Lions that was the best chance, when you look at the schedule, probably the best chance of the Lions losing outside of being at Dallas in week 17 was losing on the road in L.A. And that was a defensive, 
a defensive uh, open door there. I mean, that was an absolute offensive performance. There was no defense in that game. The Lions win 41-38. And as Eagles fans, you needed to be rooting for the Chargers to win that game. But you got to give that team credit, man. Dan Campbell, I talk about it a lot, how much I love Nick Sirianni and how aggressive Nick Sirianni is. You got to give credit to Dan Campbell. He went for it on fourth down in that game five times. And they converted four out of five. And the biggest decision was late in the game. I think it was fourth and two. Tie tie game. Lions could have kicked a field goal to take the lead. But it would have given Justin Herbert and the Chargers the ball back with plenty of time to come down the field and try to tie it. And Campbell stayed true to being aggressive, decides to go for it, picks up the first down, and they're able to run the clock all the way down and kick a last-second field goal. Got to give a lot of credit to Dan Campbell, his aggressiveness, and that Lions team. Now, I will say this. The Lions, I think the Eagles would beat them head-to-head. I think the Eagles would beat the Lions head-to-head because the Lions like to run the football, and what do the Eagles' defense do better than anybody? It's stop the run. But the problem is the Eagles don't play the Lions this regular season. So when we're looking at who has the best chance at getting the number one seed, the Detroit Lions are only a game back of the Eagles, and they have by far the easiest schedule coming up. They're... Home against Chicago this week. Home against Green Bay. On the road in New Orleans. On the road in Chicago. Now, I know anything can happen in division games, but those should be four straight wins for the Lions. Then they're home against the Denver Broncos. They will probably be favored in five straight games. And then you look at the Eagles over the next five at Kansas City. Home against Buffalo, home against San Francisco, at Dallas, out at Seattle. Lions got a lot easier schedule over the next five. The last three games of the year for the Detroit Lions may be what decides home field advantage in the NFC. Because they have to go on the road to Minnesota, on the road to Dallas, and then they close it at home against Minnesota. Two weeks ago, the Minnesota Viking games looked like wins for the Detroit Lions. I don't know about that anymore. The way Josh Dobbs has acclimated to this team, the way that Vikings offense is performing with Josh Dobbs at quarterback, those aren't gimmies. Those are not gimmies. But the Lions definitely have the easiest schedule on paper. But this is why we play the games. We know that, especially division games. But the Lions have the easiest schedule. And then the other team still in the hunt for the number one seed, or the Dallas Cowboys. And we know the Eagles went a long way in knocking the Cowboys out of that race last week with a big win. The Cowboys are still in it. They are 6-3. and three. They have a relatively, relatively easy schedule, but they have some tough games right in the middle there. They're at Carolina. Then they play Washington. Then they're home against Seattle, home against the Eagles, at Buffalo, at Miami, then Detroit and at Washington. That's a tough schedule. That's a tough schedule, too. I still think it's easier than the Eagles, but it's a tough schedule. 
But let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys for a second because all the Cowboys fans now pumping their chest out again. Pumping their chest out. Oh, we're back. The Cowboys are back. You guys once again dominated one of the worst teams in the NFL, the New York Giants, who are an embarrassment this season. An embarrassment. And as good as Brian Dable was last year as a head coach, I am really questioning a lot of his decisions this year. And I get it. Look, we talked about how important the quarterback position is. They're starting Tommy DeVito at quarterback. You can't do much. But some of his decisions, some of his play calling, so predictable. Give your guys a chance. What do you have to lose at this point? Just give your guys a chance. And I see Transistor Zen saying they may be the worst team in the NFL. You may be right. They may be the worst team in the NFL. But you look at the Cowboys and everybody, oh, Dak Prescott, 400 yards, four touchdowns. You're playing the Giants. What'd you do against the Eagles? You lost. What'd you do against the 49ers? You lost. What'd you do against the Arizona Cardinals? You lost. Keep beating up on the Giants. It's not going to win you any championships. Let's see what you do against the good teams. And I'm sure we'll get another week of Cowboys fans putting their chest out because now they get to play the Carolina Panthers. We're back. We're back. That's two straight wins for them boys. We're going to hear it all again after they beat the Carolina Panthers. But then we'll, we'll see what the Cowboys do during that tough stretch of games when they have to play Seattle, Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. That's what I want to hear from Cowboys fans. Not now. Not when you beat up on the bad teams. I don't give a crap about that. But that's what we'll hear, how great they are. But you look at this, and it's going to be it's going to be close, guys. I mean, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They're eight and one. They're a game up on the Detroit Lions. But I think and we've talked about this before. I really think the Eagles can't afford to lose more than two games in their next five. I think they're going to have to go three and two in the next five then win their last three. So go six and two the rest of the way to get that number one seed at 14 and three. I'm just not sure 13 and four is going to get you there. You look at the Detroit Lions remaining schedule. Is there more than two losses on that schedule? Because if the Lions only lose two the rest of the way, they're sitting there at 13 and four. And then you got to worry about tiebreakers and everything else. But it's going to be close. It's going to be close. I would really like to see the Eagles go three and two over the next five, win those last three against the Giants twice and the Cardinals. Let's go 14 and three, get that number one seed because not only is home field advantage important, only one team gets the bye. And I'm not afraid of the Detroit Lions if the Eagles have to play them heads up. I'm not afraid of that. But we want that bye, and we want home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. And I think three and two over the next five get you there. But it's all going to start Monday night, Super Bowl rematch, 
Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift probably going to be in the house for that game. We'll see. But that's going to be exciting, and we will continue to preview that game the rest of this week. I'm excited for that rematch. The only thing I'm not, not excited about is it's bringing back some bad memories because that Super Bowl still hurts, man. That still hurts. Really does. But, guys, like we end every show, I want to do a little Today in Sports History. And this is going all the way back to November 13th, 1875. That's a long time. Harvard and Yale play the first college football game with uniforms. Interesting. (laughs) I like giving you guys some of these pointless today in history, but this one was interesting to me. November 13th, 1875, the first college football game with uniforms. Now teams got three, four different uniforms. Oregon's got like 25 different uniforms, different helmets and everything else. But today in 1875 was the first time there was ever uniforms. But guys, if you want more Philadelphia Eagles talk, I'm doing my other show, the weekly show, Legal Hands to the Face, tonight at 6.30. It's all Philadelphia Eagles, all NFL. We will talk more about what we learned on this NFL Sunday. We will talk about this Philadelphia Eagles team after nine games, and we will look forward and start to preview a big Monday night matchup between our Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs, which may be not only a rematch of Super Bowl 57, but a preview of Super Bowl 58. But I appreciate all of you guys taking this hour to spend here on the Philly Sports Power Hour. Smash that like button for me. Smash that share button for me. When we get out of here, head on over to Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face. Give me a follow, engage, comment. Let me know you're there. I appreciate all of you guys. I will see you all tonight at 6.30 right here on Jacob Sports for the Legal Hands of the Face Show. Talk to you guys soon. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the odds. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.